Matthew chapter 26, verses 38 through 39. If you feel comfortable in doing so, can we stand to our feet to honor the infallible word of God? That means without error. Amen. Without any issues. Amen. It is perfect in all its ways. Very familiar scripture. This is Jesus speaking on to his disciples. Amen. And then praying, praying in his humanity to the divinity. Then saith he unto them, talking about the disciples, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. How many of us have made that statement? It may not be in an auditory statement, but one of our hearts, one of our spirits. Amen. Even unto death. Terry here talking to his, his disciples and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Amen. If we feel comfortable in doing so, once again, can we put our Bibles down? Can we close our eyes and lift our hands? And can we just open our minds and our hearts to what God has in store for us this evening? Lord God, we thank you that your word, God, teaches us so much. God, that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, God, cutting us thunder. God, speak to your sons and your daughters tonight, God. Let us realize, God, that you are with us, God, in the midst of the sorrow, that in the midst of the heartache, God, that you are with us, that your joy, God, is our strength. God, I pray, O oh Lord, that you just speak to us tonight, and I rebuke any spirit of distraction in this place. God, the enemy has taken too much ground, and God, we are going to claim it back here tonight. In Jesus' name, God, I pray, God, into the atmosphere, power, love, and a sound mind here tonight. In Jesus' name. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? And can somebody give him a shout of praise here tonight? Amen. I'd like to preach this particular thought. Enduring the cup. Enduring the cup. We are coming to the twilight hours of Jesus' humanity. Coming to the end of his life. This particular scripture is based in the Garden of Gethsemane. It is located a few hundred feet from the eastern gates of Jerusalem. Or at that time it is called the Golden Gates. Amen. Jesus knows in his divinity, in himself, that he's about to be betrayed. He knows that he's come on to his own, and his own has received him not. He knows in, in the next day he is going to be crucified. He is going to be scourged with 40 lashings, excuse me, 39 lashings, 40 save one. Amen. He is going to be beaten. He is going to be ridiculed. All his disciples are going to scatter. And he knew within himself that he was sorrowful. He said, my heart is sorrowful. I am full of sorrow to the point of death. Amen. I don't think any of us could even equate. I don't think any of us could comprehend what he knew was about to transpire, what he knew was about to take place. But he knew that he had to endure the cup of sorrow. He had to endure the cup of hardship. For God to be glorified, for his will to go forward, he had to endure the cup. He couldn't, he couldn't move away from it. He couldn't avoid it because lives were at stake. Your life and my life was at stake spiritually. Amen. Death had had, a, had its grip for too long on humanity. Hell had its grip on humanity for too long. And Satan had it. And he knew for him to take those keys of death, hell, and the grave that he had to endure the cup. But how many of us in this walk, since we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, 
try to avoid the cup of sorrow. We are in that sorrowful cup to the point of death. God, take it from me. But do we follow up like he did and say, not my will, but thou will be done. Take the cup from me. It's too hard. God, I can't endure it. And then I think back to what Jesus was about to suffer through. I go back and put it in perspective. Jesus was about to go through one of the most horrific tortures in antiquity and in ancient times, and that's crucifixion. But how many of us try to avoid the cup that God has placed before us to bring you temperance, to bring you patience, to build you up spiritually, to allow God to show his wonders, for God to demonstrate his capability? How is it? That cup could be a way to give birth to a testimony and a memorial. But we say, God, I don't want that cup. But we've got to pray, God, not my will, but thou wilt be done. We must endure the cup of sorrow that God has put before us. We've got to endure the pain and the trial that is before us. We know that shortly afterwards, Jesus was looking up, I'm sure, Pastor, as many of our Jewish and Israeli uh, tour guides said, that Jesus more than likely saw the, the, uh, the temple guard coming out of that eastern gate to come retrieve him from the Garden of Gethsemane. We know that the Garden of Gethsemane means the press. We know that Jesus was pressed with all the burden of the world's sin, past, present, and future on him to the point where he bled, bled, he sweated blood, but he did not try to avoid the cup. He prayed, God, take it, but I understand it's your will. But many of us, if we are not careful, God can't move because we avoid the cup. God has placed it for you to drink into it, and we're going to talk about it here in just a second. But God has placed it to bring him glory, to demonstrate who he is. Amen. But many apostolics slip away in the avoidance of the cup. Amen. We're going to see how he does this. We know that he was taken. We know that he was beaten. We know that he went to the high priest Caiaphas' house. Of course, in Roman law, they could not put him to death. So they had to wait till the next day to go to Pontus Pilate under Roman law. We know that Jesus, just like it said in Psalms 88, was lowered into a pit and left alone overnight. I'm telling you, I have been to that place, and he was lowered to the point where he didn't even touch the ground of that pit. He was just hanging by a rope all by himself. The Savior of the world, the Lamb that was slain for our sins, knew that the next day his life was all about that cup for you and me. Beaten, bashed by the people he came to save. The Jewish people, the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It wasn't just the normal people's fault. It was the Jewish leadership manipulating him at the time. But he knew for the Jews that were above that beat him, for you and me here tonight, that he could not avoid his cup of sorrow. We know that he was brought up and he was sent to the fortress Estonia, which was right on the corner of the Temple Mount. 
and he went before Pontius Pilate. We knew that he received the whips or the scourges of 39 cat of nine tails. If you look at Roman history, a cat of nine tails had ends with glass pieces in it. Or it was rocks or, sh- or sharp uh, metal objects. And it would just fillet the back of Jesus. But he knew that he could call 12 legions of angels at any time to rescue. But he knew that he could not avoid the cup of sorrow. But what do we run from? At any time, he could have called down 12 legions. If we're talking about Roman counts, a legion is 48,000 to 6,000 legionnaires. How many angels is that? He could have come. He could have called to rescue him. But he knew that the cup of sorrow was for the sake of the glory of God. Amen. Amen. We knew that after he was scourged, that his clothes were ripped, and that he had to carry that cross with a crown of thorns outside of Jerusalem to the Mount of Golgotha, that Mount of the Skull. And it is believed that in most crucifixions that that piece of uh, cross would have been 70 to 100 pounds. Here's an individual that has not eaten in how many hours, who was beaten, who was scourged, who was bleeding out, who fell, that was carrying it through the streets of Jerusalem for you and me, understanding that he could not avoid the cup of sorrow. But what do we avoid? What cup has God given to us to show his wonders to show his powers, to show his capability, but we push away that cup. And if we understand that we take it, God has already made a path in that cup of sorrow. God is already at the end result of that cup of sorrow. Amen. We knew that he was crucified. Crucifixion is believed to originate with the Persians in in the early 100 B.C.'s. But it was perfected. I hate to say perfected by the Roman Empire. It was for those that were slaves. Those that were deserters in the Roman legions. It was for the criminals. It was for the insurrectionists. It was for anybody that would have killed a Roman soldier. It was how they subjugated the various lands in the Roman Empire. Being placed on that cross. It could have been the cross that we see in Christian tradition. People were crucified with their arms above their head. People were crucified with their arms sideways. Crucifixion is a horrific, horrific torture. And I don't think our minds could ever comprehend what the human body went through. You look at the history of the Romans because, man, they were so meticulous when it came to their documentation. Some people lasted 20 minutes in crucifixion. Some people lasted an hour. And one of the longest records is four days. Hands and feet are nailed or tied to whatever position of that crucifixion. As I said, it could be the cross, sideways, above the head, on a tree, on a wall. The Romans were sadistic. And so your body is literally asphyxiating your lungs. You're trying to hold yourself up because of all the weight in your body. It is crushing your internal organs. It is crushing the air out of your lungs, asphyxiation. It could be a heart attack. It could be a blood clot. It could be an aneurysm. All these things could have transpired. And Jesus could have easily got himself off that cross, but he understood the sorrow that he had to bear for the cup for you and I. So we know that Jesus was crucified on Golgotha. We know that it was approximately six hours. It is believed to be from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., about three hours before Shabbat happened, and he was left there. Can you even imagine? No, you can't. History could document it. 
We can look at pictures and illustrations. They can make movies, but there's no way to comprehend the pain that Jesus, our Messiah, went through. Not only the physically, but the spiritually, because the weight of the world was on his shoulders. The weight of salvation, because he is our Yeshua. He is Jehovah's salvation. Amen. Salvation was on his shoulders. All the pain of your sin was on his shoulders. Not only the thieves had to deal with their humanity, but Jesus had to deal with the spirituality of things. Let me tell you how much he loves you. Are you ready? Because easily he could have avoided. People offered him another cup instead of the cup of sorrow. I look at Matthew 27, verse 34. Amen. And it says that they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. Gall means bitterness. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. Huh, why is that? Amen. And then they gave him a drink. This is Mark chapter 15, verse 23. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. Why? Do we ever ask that question why? Let me tell you why. There is a historical purpose to this. Amen. There is a reason that Jesus did not take what they called vinegar and then what they called wine mingled with mirth. Well, it's not, they didn't give him white wine vinegar, Brother Rusty. They didn't give him white vinegar or apple cider vinegar that we put in our drinks. What it would have been was an ancient Roman uh, diluted wine called poshka. Poshka was drank by the legionnaires. It was drank by the plebeians, the, the low socioeconomic class of the Romans. It is believed that it was a red wine vinegar mixed with water or a very cheap wine mixed with water with various spices. They call it the early Gatorade of the Romans. It's how they hydrated. So these were Roman legionnaires that were sitting here crucifying Jesus. And they offered him the vinegar. They offered him this poshka. But why didn't he taste it? That's the question, isn't it? It's because it says that it was mixed with gall. That's bitterness. And poshka means sour in Latin. It was a sour wine. It was this, this very cheap wine, this very cheap soldier drink. But it was laced with myrrh. Myrrh is pretty much, it gives a municipal property to it. It's a narcotic. It was written in many Roman documentations that the Romans would give those crucified a bit of the poshka with the myrrh to minimize the pain they were going through. To numb the pain that they were going through. To go ahead and kill off those nerve endings that they were slowly dying. But Jesus refused because he understood that the cup that he drank was, had to be the cup of sorrow for us. And the problem with many of his children is that they pray against that cup that God has placed before them of sorrow. And when it becomes too hard, they pray for the poshka. When it becomes too hard, they ask for the sponge of poshka to numb their pain. Somebody, please give me the vinegar of the world to numb the pain that I'm going through. Jesus refused. Somebody, please give me something to dull the pain. When Jesus said, if you would endure, I'm glorified. Many of us said, give me the wine of the world. Give me something to numb this sorrow that I'm going through. 
Somebody give me. With a Roman, please give me. I'm going through this pain of the crucifixion. I'm here to tell you that the moment you were born again of water and of spirit, you co-signed on his suffering. We are to suffer with Christ. I believe that Jesus spoke to Ananias just before Saul became Paul. And he said that Saul would suffer many great things for my name's sake. It is not going to be peaches and cream. It is going to be difficult. We have co-signed with the the cup of suffering of Jesus Christ. But he is with us. And he is for us. And he has gone before us. And the problem is, is that individuals understand that there's a cup of suffering that Jesus wanted to share with you from Calvary. But we seek the Roman wine to numb our pain. It's the things of the world. It's family members that don't hold us accountable. Our young people are running to the Roman wine. Because they don't understand this cup of suffering that Jesus bestowed upon them. That cup of suffering is being a Christian. That cup of suffering is following Christ. It builds patience. It builds resistance. It builds temperance. I think about every ancient sword. You had to temper the sword or it would break in the midst of combat. You had to harden the blade. And it is the fiery trials of our tribulations that give us a hardness to have that that, uh, armor of God, to have that sword of truth, to be able to endure the things that transpire in the woes of life. But we cannot avoid the cup of sorrow that Jesus, Jesus carried himself and has bestowed upon you. Beware of the poshka. Beware of the bitterness of the world. Amen. It says, and it's believed, that usually a company of merciful women went to every crucifixion and gave the criminals a drink of drugged wine to ease their terrible terrible pain. They offered the wine mixed with myrrh, but Jesus refused it because he had every sin of the world on his shoulders. That centurion, we're going to read it here in just a second, that it was a hits-up stock. Or some people believe a spear that he stuck into a sponge. He dipped it in the poshka and offered it to Jesus on the cross. But he spit it out because he knew that his nerves had to be in there. He had to suffer. He had to endure that suffering for you and I. But what do we run from? Centurion, give me that sponge. When we have to take up our cross daily and die daily for him. Taking up a cross is not just a scripture. It's a spiritual crucifixion daily for him. We have co-signed on his pain. Amen. Isn't it interesting that myrrh was one of the gifts to the baby Jesus? A drug mixture was similar to a narcotic sedative. The vinegar poshka was the equivalent of Gatorade as I talked about. And it was a centurion or a legionnaire soldier's drink. We must suffer with him, apostolics. If I am to glory in him, I've got to suffer with him. I think about every one of the apostles. All of them died by martyrism except one. In tradition, Peter was crucified upside down because he was not going to be crucified the same manner as Jesus because he's considered himself not worthy. Paul was beheaded in Rome. James was pushed off a building while preaching, broke his legs according to tradition, and continued to preach until he was stabbed to death by sorcerers, but he continued to preach because he understood the cup of suffering that he had to go through to perpetuate the word of God. 
I think about Doubting Thomas, who by tradition died in India. All these great men and women of faith understood the cup that they took. They understood they couldn't ask for the Roman to help. But many of us take this cup away from me, Evan. I can't handle it. But Jesus has already buried it for you. Come on to me, those that are heavy laden, and I shall give you rest because I've already buried the cup. Amen. We don't know if the centurion or the, or the legionnaire was trying to be compassionate to Jesus, and we don't know if he was just trying to insult Jesus, probably an insult, as they called him king of the Jews in Hebrew and in Latin and in Greek just to insult him. Now, they understood when he died and said that it was finished and there was an earthquake. They knew, surely this is the Son of God. Amen. Because a cup was bared. When it is finished in your trial and tribulation, what will people say about it? Amen. Poshka. That vinegar that's being offered, don't take it. That wine laced with the myrrh, don't you take it. Even if it's somebody you trust, don't you accept it. Because Jesus has given this cup for you to bear. Amen. We're going to look at John chapter 19, verses 28 and 30. Now we are going to fulfill scripture here. It's exciting. I love it. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. Stop right there. All things. All Not three-eighths of a thing. All things. All. Right? That's omni. Right? All things were accomplished. That the scripture might be fulfilled saying, saith, I thirst. Why did he say, I thirst? He's bleeding out slowly. It is known that those being crucified, uh, there would be fluid that builds up within their body cavity during crucifixions. As I said, 30 minutes, 10 minutes, 24 hours, 6 days, whatever that list is, it is absolute excruciating suffering. Fluid builds up in the body cavity of those that are a victim of crucifixion. And he's saying it's thirst because it is documented that many that were crucified had an insatiable thirst because they were slowly dying. They were bleeding out and they were losing body fluid. Just think about that. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. So here's the enigma. He didn't accept it during the crucifixion, but accepted it now. Why? Because all things were fulfilled. All things were accomplished. All things were finished at that point. He had to fulfill one last part of this messianic message. Are you ready? This is exciting. Psalms. They gave me also gall for my meat. Gall, bitterness. Amen. And in my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Amen. It's beautiful. What a testimony when we endure the cup of our suffering. And we only, only allow things to happen to fulfill his will. Jesus said, I I, I cannot, I cannot be numb during this cup of suffering, I can't be distracted from the suffering that God has given me because it's on a path to glory. It's on a path to a testimony and a memorial. And then he said, after all was finished and the cup was about to be lifted and the end of that humanity, amen, he gave up the ghost. 
What's interesting, too, that was fulfilled to expedite the death of, an, of a crucifixion. They would break the legs of the victim. They would crush them, strangle them by their own body weight. But Jesus, they didn't. That fulfilled scripture. No bone was breaking, broken. Amen. What a beautiful thing. And then there was a darkening and an earthquake and the dead rose. And the veil was torn from 40 feet from top to bottom because he understood that he had to endure that cup. That's where is thy sting because of the cup. God has given us a cup. Some of it's full of suffering. Some of it may be a minuscule drop. But don't accept the Romans wine. Can we stand to our feet here tonight? Many of us are enduring longer than necessary because we're not accepting the cup. Many of us are asking for the Romans to ease our pain instead of God. Can we close our eyes and lift our hands tonight? Pastor, is there anything you would like to add tonight, sir? Thank you, sir. Close your eyes and lift your hands tonight. And I want you to meditate on your cup. What has God asked you? And he doesn't do it out of pleasure, but to build you up, to build your faith. To show his wonders, to show his hand, to show his capability. And many of us, fear takes grip of us and we say, God, I can't take this cup. Take it from me. I'm sorrowful to the point of death when God has said, I've already bared the cup for you. We are co-signers of his suffering. Come on, children of the Most High, begin to lift your voice here tonight. Begin to speak to him. This is between you and him. The world says, just go ahead and drink this poshka, and that's going to ease the things that you're going from. It may be a sister, a brother, a cousin, a best friend, a co-worker, offering you the sponge of poshka when God says, keep this cup, because my glory will be shown. Amen. These altars are open. We're going to sing unto the Lord. I pray that it is activated reflection here tonight. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen.